The Senate committee will now hear from Jacob Lawson, Climate ISS Chief Coordinator. May the record reflect that he was nearly one hour late. Yeah, sorry about that. I literally had to fly in from outer space. Thanks to the system of satellites, natural disasters have become a thing of the past. My access has been blocked. So satellite has a bad comm, that happens. Not a satellite, all of them. This wasn't a malfunction. It was intentional. There's potential for catastrophic weather events on a global scale. A geostorm. Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Below Freezing with CJ and Micah. I'm CJ. I'm Micah. And this is a weekly show where we unthaw a different movie that comes in at or below 32% on Rotten Tomatoes and see if it's still fresh or freezer burnt. And boy howdy, do we have a film for you today. <laughs> we sure do. And, and we call it the one that started it all. Our guest was inquiring about why we call it the one that started it all is because we got the idea for making this show after we saw it at a preview screening in theaters. <laughs> we and... saw this bad boy, what was it, like a week or two before it came out in theaters? We didn't mm-hmm. know what we were going to be seeing. We just knew it was a preview, although oh. we had an inkling going in uh, what it was going to be because we like looked up like, oh, well, what movies are coming out soon? Oh, this is coming mm-hmm. out soon. I <laughs> what it is i yeah i used to go to a lot we used to when we first got to california we used to go to a lot of those screenings and like they're always Mm. so coy because they have to be because these aren't like formal like screening screenings they're just you know they're usually for testing but it was always like we know what's coming up in like the next six weeks or so so it's like Mm -hmm. if we're interested enough to show up at 4 30 in the afternoon to line up for this thing we know how to find the imdb so Anyway, sorry, do go on. Okay. No, you're fine. I Can I just tell a quick story about uh, a test screening uh, experience that I had here in uh, the middle part of the West? I wish um, you would. Oh, please. Okay. <laughs> so the thing about, and I, I, I hesitate to use terms like Hollywood types, but I, the <laughs> thing about that is they come here and um, they will put a screening for a movie that's coming out in like six months um, in like Olathe because it's Kansas. And you know who's in Kansas? (laughs) People who don't know nothing about those moving pictures. So... So we we went to and I guess I can talk about it now. The movies come out and all that shit. But um, mm-hmm. but, uh we went to the screening. It was for a movie called Wind River, and mm-hmm. uh, it, w- it which I was very excited about. It uh, was directed by the writer of Hell or High Water. I really liked that movie, so I was like, yeah, let's go see Wind River. Mm-hmm. And we went to go see it. It's fine, um, <laughs> and. <laughs> I'm not sure what they changed between the screening that the the version that I saw and the version that actually got released to theaters and stuff like that, but it's fine. And whoa, whoa, I just wait, wait, hang on, g- hang on. I'm sorry, I, I don't want to start this off on a tangent. Are you telling me that the most you can muster for the movie about the plight of Native American women, where the female lead and the Native American lead report up to a white guy, is just fine? It's fine and we'll get there we'll get there because what happened was the guy he called me they tap they tap a few people Mm -hmm. and they say stay behind we want to talk about the movie actually the person i saw it with was 
friend of the pod and creator of our theme song, uh, Riley Watson. Mm-hmm. And we stay there. And <laughs> he's just like, the first things out of his mouth. It's just like, so Oscar for Jeremy Renner? Like, you guys think Oscar for Jeremy Renner? <laughs> and we were like, uh, and then um, I, I just offhandedly said, I, Golden Globe nominee. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then the guy looks up at the lady who's taking the notes and stuff who came with him from the studio. And they're just, and he's just like, you guys know the difference between the Oscars and the Golden Globes. And <laughs> that's when I knew that oh, like the boy. night was just going to like get progressively worse. But like, and it wasn't just me. It was just filled with like, like I, this is why I think they probably need to rejigger sort of the way that these things work because they're trying to find quote unquote lay people, but like lay people in the way that they think don't really exist anymore <laughs> because right. everyone has the right. internet everyone has their niche thing that they love so uh, mm-hmm. the people who are most of the people who are coming to these things are going to be people who really want to see movies and like movies and stuff like that including this like 17 year old boy who was like just the smartest of all of us <laughs> and and he was in like I just remember bringing up stuff like I really wish Elizabeth uh, Olsen had more to do in it. She was, uh, I really liked her character. I really liked the, the, it felt like there was a lot of like sort of like imposter syndrome and angst stuff that they could have dealt with that really wasn't there. Maybe it was on the cutting room floor at this point. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. uh, and then also I was like, it's really cool to see so many uh, native people and native performers in the movie. Um, I worry about like whether or not we're going to see Oscar pushes uh, from the mm-hmm. studio regarding those actors and whether or not, you know, those actors are going to be cast in more things going forward. There's a there's a pretty famous native actor who um, generally I know primarily as Jacob's dad in Twilight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that guy. He's mm-hmm. in the movie. He was very good in the movie. And they were and everyone was kind of dismissing me about that. They were just like, "Oh, well I see that guy and stuff all of the time." And I'm just mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> so so yeah, it's just one of those things. It's just like I I we go to these things and we don't get invited to many tests. What's the last one we The last test screening we saw was was it the art? Of the art of racing in the rain. rain. Oh, and uh, it was fine. I kept calling it Marley and Maserati, and my <laughs> that was the one with the the big billboard of 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 uh, the guy driving with his dog under the banner mm-hmm. from the studio that brought you Marley and me. And I'm like, that is a fucking death threat to that dog in the poster. Yeah, basically, yep. um, <laughs> like, and. <laughs> Which was kind of disappointing because we thought it was going to be Dumbo. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> and I was very excited because mm. of the new remake things and stuff like that. The one that I cared the least about was Dumbo because I don't really have any emotional attachment to Dumbo. But the... <laughs> and I was I was like, oh, let's, let's go see Dumbo before anybody else. We thought it was either going to be Dumbo or Detective Pikachu, and it was neither. It was Milo Ventimiglia chasing after a dog who kept peeing on the floor. So mm-hmm. it was because he was... He had, like, dog cancer. Oh, um, got it. <laughs> but... <laughs> 
I told my mom you know? to go see it. It was fine. But that's we're not here to talk about any of that. We're here with one of our faves, Alex Gradette, third time on the show. Hey, hat trick! It's your third time and Gerard Butler's third time today. Mm. That's a th- the thing he and I have oh, in common, I guess. Oh, everything's coming together for the anniversary show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, today we are going to be talking about Geostorm. Now, Geostorm is uh, a very interesting movie. Again, it stars Gerard Butler, comma, action scientist. Um <laughs> And, and a slew of other people who are not American but are doing terrible American accents. Whoa, and... wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. Stop right there. Point out to me one person in this movie who's not American, up to and including clearly Missouri native, I guess, Gerard Butler. Because I'm convinced. Because, <laughs> oh boy. Oh, brother. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, brother. Um, but before we jump into the recap proper, Micah, do you have the consensus in the score pulled up? Sure do. It is scathing. Uh, the, <laughs> the score is 16%, and <clears throat> the critics' consensus Ooh. is... Lacking impressive visuals, well-written characters, or involving drama, Geostorm aims for epic disaster movie spectacle, but ends up simply being a disaster of a movie. Mm. That's that's fair. I don't think it was a disaster. I just I, think it we kind of like petered out towards uh, the like climax. But yeah. something that's interesting about that is this movie is very much a mishmash of so many things that Hollywood just doesn't do anymore. Like I brought up Gerard Butler, action scientist. I don't <laughs> think we talk about, uh, we talk <laughs> enough about the fact that Gerard Butler is our new um, uh, Steven Seagal. Because that is basically the role he fills. Yeah, I buy that. And, yeah. And uh, because he's in Geostorm, things are always falling around him. He's got it covered. And the thing with this movie is it also features like three generations of sort of Hollywood talent in a way that that's really interesting. <laughs> and they're not like, I, I, I hesitate to say generations, maybe like decades, <laughs> three decades of Hollywood <laughs> talent, because you have like your Ed Harris and your Andy Garcia of like there. And then you have Gerard Butler and Jim Sturgis. Remember <laughs> when Jim Sturgis was going to be a thing. Um, Vaguely. And, and then you have uh, Zazie Beetz and uh, Daniel Sheehan. Is that how Ro- you pronounce uh, Robert. Like yeah, Robert Sheehan. Robert Sheehan. Who, yeah. Who's Daniel Sheehan? <laughs> it's because Daniel guy. Wu is in this and he's distracting us all. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Daniel Wu. He's so great. and he's But so great. not in here because nobody's great in here. Well. But but yeah, I think that it's and it's one of these big disaster movies that's full of stars in the loosest version of that term. <laughs> so it it has a lot going on, but it's wrapped up in this sort of bootleg version of the day after tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's basically the day after the day after tomorrow because it's basically positing that the day after tomorrow happened. And, and this was like, our solution but, to that. Well, and yeah, we made a weather rumba, and now it's not. 
<laughs> and it's and it's 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 Dean Devlin who made Independence Day with Roland Emmerich, but I think they split after Godzilla. So Roland Emmerich goes and does Which Day is after their the true m- masterpiece. Uh, uh, anyhow, um, <laughs> it is certainly the final of their collaborations. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but like, <laughs> but it's so funny because like. It, it, because then, th- so they break up, uh, and then um, uh, Roland Emmerich makes Day After Tomorrow, and then and then also makes 2012, and it's like Dean Devlin is like watching his ex's, looking at his ex's revenge body, and then going like, "Well, I'm gonna go to that gym too." I, I, I it's, <laughs> it, I, I don't get like, I can't help but feel like, and I, I haven't bothered with. IMDb trivia on this or anything the the paper of record mm. for stuff like this but oh why would you but yeah but uh well because I don't need to read about who coincidentally have all been in Marvel movies we know who have all been in Marvel movies um but uh but like I wonder if like Dean Devlin had been involved in the early stages of Day After Tomorrow and then the split came and he was like well I'm gonna take my notes and go home uh it's just they just both chose uh, on the surface chose independently to make essentially the same movie neither one of which is very good it just it wants to be this movie wants to be about six different things at once because it wants to be the day after tomorrow it wants to be a political thriller it wants to be an outer space movie yeah and it's trying which how to... did you do with this mm, not well Mm-mm. nope not because well micah hates movies set in space that don't involve jedi oh okay yeah, fair I, enough fair i enough. uh i have i have uh, some pretty bad claustrophobia and space movies really trigger that and i was doing okay so i just like like movies like gravity never seen it never will that would be a two-hour panic attack yeah you um, shouldn't you shouldn't no yeah no. under the circumstances so, like, you shouldn't yeah, space movies, I just don't, I don't do them at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was okay, except for the part where he, um, his jetpack starts going uh, off yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. like careening through the void of space. And that's a really long, intense sequence that I assume um, triggered some positive emotions in, in some viewers, maybe. What did I see? First man with if I didn't see first man. With. Oh yeah, I didn't see first man. I won't do it. And no, no, first like if gravity would have freaked you out, first man because first man, oh. a ton of the middle section of first man is about like um how much space travel is trying to kill you at any given moment. So it's like I'm gonna give it And I mean if the 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 jetpack sequence in this freaked you out i mean they were liberally helping themselves to the whole gravity aesthetic so this was like this was like the this was like the dinner theater version of gravity so if you were not good with this you will not be good with gravity 
I'm I'm not even I'm not even standing up for gravity when I say that. I'm just I'm yeah. just like you yeah, you'd have a bad no, time. I couldn't handle and it. And it, it wasn't even the dinner theater ver it was the hotel room commercial <laughs> for the dinner theater version of gravity because boy howdy is gravity super realistic and very uncomfortable even for someone who does not have the same fears as you. Yeah, so I, like, I literally made a note about how I spent that whole jetpack sequence like physically clenched like my muscles in my arms and my legs were like clenched during that sequence so i will not Mm. be watching first man ever i will not be watching (laughs) gravity i have seen portions of what what's the one space cowboys is that a movie yeah Uh uh-huh I've seen portions of it because my dad really likes it, but I always leave. I was about to say, yeah, you have dads that you have. I'm surprised that I'm not surprised you've seen Space. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's certain movies that I'm just not. Nope, nope. If there's no uh, wars in them stars, I don't want to see them. (laughs) (laughs) But um, generally, the basic setup of this is that um, 2019 happened, and. And Ooh. the uh, what I think conservative conservatives think AOC thinks is going to happen in 12 years <laughs> happens, which is like uh, crazy monsoons, New York City being flooded, people dying all over the place, a heat wave in uh, Madrid killing thousands of people in a single no, day. No, I'm sorry. A lot of they, extreme the, weather. It, the heat wave, because this jumped out at me, I was still aggressively paying attention to the movie at that point. Uh, <laughs> two million people died in a day is, oh, is, the, is the statistic that they quote. Which, don't get me wrong, obvious, obviously that would, um, that would uh, justify and spur some climate action, I'm fairly certain. But it's like... Two million people. I don't know the population of Madrid, but really the population of anywhere is really going to feel that loss of two million people. I would uh, imagine so. Uh, it was Madrid. It was a whole bunch, and what they did was they created a big. Uh, they. Mm-hmm. I remember when we walked out of this movie, I said to Michael. Why wasn't this just a secret G.I. Joe reboot? Because it is basically a weather dominator. It was a valid and, question. And they made it. And it <laughs> will like throw uh, drones into a hurricane to stop it. And will like uh, make freak snowstorms chill out with lasers and stuff like that it does all these things and they call it dutch boy after the fable where the boy puts his finger in the dam which is a fable i'd never heard of until this movie i wondered how much cultural relevance (laughs) that fable has like i've heard of it but i was like is outside of the u.s is that like a thing that people like is it viable for the entire world to be like ah yes dutch boy Outside of the <laughs> outside well. of outside of the U.S., the native home of Gerard Butler and Jim Sturgis, you mean? Um, <laughs> yes. But, that's, that's but well, but not only that, but it's like I would absolutely be down for like the stylistic reach of like, oh, we've ta- we've derived our name from uh, from this fable, even if it wasn't an especially well known one, because uh, but I would be fine with that. If it gave them a cool sounding name or a name that rolled off the tongue. Instead, you've got people saying Dutch boy 
800 times in this movie like they're waiting for it to click and it just it's it's the dumbest fucking name i'm sorry i don't want to reduce this to just it was dumb but it was dumb it's so it, you're not wrong. <laughs> and and Gerard uh, Butler goes up to space and he keeps calling it girl. This thing that he <laughs> named Dutch boy. <laughs> Which I had a chuckle yeah. about. <sighs> so Gerard Butler, who I finished this movie not an hour ago, and I do oh, not wow. remember his character's name. Uh, um, Jake. It's the only name I J- remember. Okay, so Jake is the lead scientist and engineer person who put together his girl Dutch boy. And <laughs> and he is brought before Congress who are uh who are trying to make some preliminary stuff happen before Dutch boy is handed over to the international uh weather watching community and this is this is one of the five starts to the movie right because the movie starts Mm -hmm. about five or six times yes yes first you first you get the the, first you get the prologue then you get congress that anyway so go on yeah Mm -hmm. and he is put in front of do you know the actor's name who's the lead guy in front of congress that's tv's richard schiff Take your hat off when he's TV's, walking by. Richard Schiff. TV's yeah, from, Richard from Schiff. Westwood. Yes. Yes. I, I, he, he's a very recognizable face. The name just wasn't clicking with me. Uh, he is very good at playing that type of person. Um, and there's a back, there's like this weird back and forth that is like, and maybe I'm just, Maybe I'm remembering movies, these types of movies from the 90s wrong, but like it was always that like um, the hero was this sort of gruff guy who knew everything and could punch his way out of any problem. Mm -hmm. But they were always sort of like a member of the government or a member of law enforcement and stuff like that. And here's this exact type of person, only he is, again, as an aforementioned, as we, as I mentioned before, an action scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, he is supposedly like this really heady engineer and stuff like that, but he's still in like Steven Seagal mode, even when he's like just talking to people. Always. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those things really click together in the way that this movie wants them to. There's there's about 18 different vectors on that scene because first of all Richard Richard Schiff is you know this really uh, he he is a big uh, personality a very forceful actor but also he's known for playing sort of beleaguered good guys so to have him mm-hmm. be the bad guy congressman first of all you're starting off on the wrong foot it's like yeah. it's just not the baggage he brings with him and second of all like. I know this is not difficult, but he outclasses uh, um, Gerard Butler as an actor by an order of magnitude. So it's like Gerard Butler is on every level losing this fight in this scene. Like Mm -hmm. he has no footing whatsoever. So it's and then there's a weird moment where he's he's trying to be like, you know, I, I was working up in space building this thing for however many months and I never saw you once up there. Well, there was this one plumber up there who kind of looked like you. And I realized that's supposed to be like, haha, it's a dig. You look like a lowly plumber. You're talking about a plumber mm-hmm. who worked in space 
Like that's <laughs> not that's not an insult I f- at all. I feel like space plumbers deserve I mean, respect. But but also like the guy who's just been working with the crew up in space is not going to be the guy to be like. Now there are, now most of us up there are definitely heroes, but this one guy, this plumber, fuck that but guy. Hank? You look like him. Nah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah that that was really weird. And then we're introduced to his brother, who is trying to make him less of an abrasive personality in front of Congress. Uh, who <laughs> Jim Sturgis? Okay, so have you seen Joker? <laughs> I have seen Joker. Okay, so my thing about Joker is that Joaquin Phoenix, who is a very good actor, is not necessarily doing the best acting. He's just mm-hmm. doing, like, the, the most, most acting. Yeah. Like, sheer volume of acting. If there was an Oscar <laughs> for that, give it to him. He wins it hands down. If we could quantify acting in, like, jelly beans, he'd have the most. And... <laughs> like... <laughs> And, I'm sorry, that got me. Go on. <laughs> but but Jim Sturgis is also doing so much acting. It's not the it's not great acting. It's not even Joaquin Phoenix and Joker acting. It's just so much acting. It's, but in service of nothing. Well, and and in service of nothing is I think the name of his eventual biography cuz he's really like talk about <laughs> trying to start five or six times like <laughs> since 2007 with this guy um but i i don't want to talk about his acting talent or or his or his career i want to talk about the fact that since 2007 he has had a haircut the same haircut that nobody has no one has this hair what what's the haircut guys what's the haircut um, um l from death note <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's i like i know he got his start in across the universe because he kind of looks like paul mccartney a little bit like he's got big oh is that why he was young paul mccartney energy (laughs) but he's got linda mccartney's haircut and it's and it's unchanging (laughs) like it's like it's a signature like it's a signature thing like the fans will be real disappointed if i change my hair yeah he's got turf bangs (laughs) that's what they're called he's got them hold on what were they called before before we started talking about i don't know but that's what they're called now (laughs) (laughs) i i I changed my mind that got me (laughs) oh man no 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 Okay, so yeah, Jim Sturgis is there, um, who and he's not really chewing the scenery so much as he's li- like sort of like taking a bite of it every like ten minutes, <laughs> and it's and he is the beleaguered younger brother of Gerard Butler's character who has now been put in charge of Gerard Butler's girl Dutch boy and will not and has to fire him because he was so abrasive to uh, uh, TV's Richard Schiff. So then there's this three year time jump and we find uh, Gerard Butler again with his daughter who, and I have to look up the young actress's name because I like her a lot. She was in the Annabelle prequel uh, uh, that came out a few 
Yes. She's very good. And there is a moment in the scene where she is sort of telling him off. They give her so many good lines. <laughs> they give her so many good lines. Uh, but there's a moment where he's, she's like telling Gerard Butler off and she's walking away. And it's at the 26 minute mark. There's a shot of her walking away and it's an entirely different girl. And it's <laughs> not like, uh, it, no, like literally I will send you screenshots. It is an entirely different girl. And it's the only time that that kind of appears. Ev- literally every other shot, which I guess mm-hmm. is good for the movie, is the girl who's supposed to be the actress in the scene. But there's just this one so- shot and it's not even a, like a stunt or anything. She's just throwing on her backpack and walking off camera. Oh and it is God. full face an entirely different girl. <laughs> Okay, I think I can shed a little light on that because while we were talking, I did visit the paper of record, the IMDb trivia page. And after a dreadful test screening, they brought in Oof. a new writer, a new director, and new super producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, to bring this baby home. So it's entirely possible that they couldn't get Talitha Bateman back for whatever pickup they needed of her like like with the backpack or whatever so um uh i'm actually surprised the seams are not more visible i mean we're talking about we're we've been talking about problems that that regular non-shift change movies have had where you start Mm -hmm. five different times and you do you test poorly and you do reshoots so all things considered i would actually say the seams are buried pretty well knowing what i know now but Mm -hmm. not that well (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was that was just i literally i went back and i rewound it like four times to make <laughs> sure that i wasn't crazy but um something that we, really bothered me about that about her character though like they give her some good zingers but she also is filling that child wise beyond their years trope and i'm mm-hmm. really not a fan of that trope she says yeah. <laughs> a lot of things that are just like no 13 year old or however old she's supposed to be has ever said those words like yeah her uncle shows up and she's just he's just like you're supposed to be nine years old and she goes you were supposed to be a part of my life but shit happens (laughs) oh god things like that that are so aggressively clunky and she's she's just like she's a zinger machine until it turns out the whole thing motivating her is she's just afraid her dad's not going to come back. Uh, and it's like, yeah, 13 year olds don't do that. Like, like a kid, if they are sad, will tell you they're sad or they won't say anything. They're not going to be doing this Elaine May rat-a-tat at you and then being, and then mm-hmm. turn around uh, with their eyes full of tears. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so weird, but they, uh, he shows up, uh, the uh, Jim Sturgis shows up at uh, Gerard Butler's um, Chris Pratt and Jurassic World trailer. I was and... just about to say they have the exact same scene as Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. It's the same scene. Yeah, that's oh man, I I go see the Jurassic World movies because I uh, was born in 1993 and I'm a boy and they have dinosaurs, <laughs> but. The and like Jurassic Park is just my shit. It always has been since I was a kid. Um, I would say that it is. There was a there was a tweet 
on this is a tangent but there was a tweet on twitter because that's where tweets live about the about like the sort of weird in-between generation of movie fans who for whom jurassic park is basically their star wars Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i'm and i'm basically that person Mm -hmm. and when that one came out i was just like when the original jurassic world because I call them Jurassic, dumb Jurassic mm-hmm. Park now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, okay, so I don't necessarily know who these are for anymore because of scenes like that one, <laughs> because of scenes like this, where you're just sitting in front of a trailer and just sort of like mm-hmm. uh, s- sexual intensitying at each mm-hmm. other, which again, or not again, maybe this, this is the first time I'm bringing it up, Gerard Butler. And Jim Sturgis have some really odd chemistry in this movie. (laughs) Like, really weird. Like, it made me uncomfortable because I know the characters are supposed to be brothers. It is weird because they they do have an odd chemistry. They are meant to be brothers. They resemble each other on no level at all. I'm not just talking about nothing physical, no no mannerisms, different accents. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. they are just... And also, it's like... Apart from just general laziness, there's no reason for them to actually be brothers. Can can we talk about the accents for a second? Because I I don't know what Gerard Butler's accent is supposed to be. I don't know why he can't just be a Scott. He can't ever in anything Uh, that he's in. I've ranted so many times about my feelings on accents. And if there's not a super hyper specific reason to to not have someone do their native accent just don't fucking do it um the the thing about jim sturgis's accent is that it just reads as dock worker that elliot and stabler are talking to on an episode of law and order like it's so (laughs) it was so grating because usually you only have to interact with that bit player for like maybe five minutes at most they take the crate off of the truck they go i haven't seen him in a few days and then they go away and now but the entire movie is that <laughs> well and and the thing is with with the the two of them in particular particularly gerard butler where it's some people have a speaking voice where if they just if they work with the dialect coach if they pick up the 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 quirks of whatever accent they're doing or if they even just like flatten out the the eccentricities of their the you know not eccentricities but the the um the factors of their own accent they're fine Mm -hmm. and then there's some people who have to whose accent is so whose speech is so rooted in where in their entire life in their upbringing in their in their region all of that that they have to do a whole other voice when they do a whole other accent. Like like Doctor Strange is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange doesn't sound like Benedict Cumberbatch and just as easily could and would piss mm-hmm. off such a minority of people. Uh, Gerard Butler's another one where it's like he can flatten out the pronunciations of individual words in his accent as much as he likes. His entire but it just sounds being, like an American brogue. <laughs> well, it's it, it's it's like that whole run of movies where Liam Neeson is not necessarily supposed to be specifically Irish, but 
we never ne- but it's like the movies have like the plausible deniability of well we never said this guy is actually american so um because again he has a voice where it's like that's not you are not from around these parts mm. but again oh. yeah why not just make jake lawson scottish why not just do that the worst offender was um venom and Riz Ahmed's yeah. American accent was very good, but then they mm. built it into the plot that he had British parents. Oh, that's so, right. So he could have just been English. And mm-hmm. It would have been fine. But they made him be American anyway. Venom 2 just finished filming, I feel like. I, I saw reported. We're, we're only in it for Marvel's Dan at this point. Only for Marvel's we, Dan. Can I say, too, how disappointed I was for the sake of doing the podcast, but also for the sake of Geostorm, that Marvel's Dan wasn't in this because he, he really would have he would have blended right in. I feel like he would have been there to, like, just, like, tell people that things were wrong and maybe make sure that they were OK. Um, oh, absolutely. He was probably the one that got Zazie Beats the Chinese food when they were formulating like how everything was supposed to work and what a geostorm was. He just seems like someone who'd be there to help out. I, I do want to say, by the way, no, another quick little tangent, but a, a little bit of homework the day after I watched this movie pointed out to me, confirmed my worst suspicions. But the geostorm was actually the name of a sport compact car in the early 90s. Geo, it sure was, Geo was and the car I company. wanted Storm one was the so model. bad. And Dean Devlin was sitting in some restaurant pitching an exec, and they're like, okay, so what have you been working on lately? And he goes, um, uh, um, and a Geo Storm drives by, and he's like, Geo Storm. I, it's, it's, they that named it after a mid-range sports sedan. You know, it makes about as much sense as anything else that happens in this sure, movie. Sure, why not? Uh, what a one, one th- origin story. I yeah. would accept nothing less than that for I the mean, origin story it's, for this film. It's it's absolutely not true, but also necessary. So let's just go with that. Yeah. And um, the other uh, person whose accent just would not die in this movie is uh, Australian actress Abby Cornish, who, mm. like, like take, for example, a movie I don't really like, um, Three Billboards Outside mm-hmm. Ebbing County, Missouri. They just let her be Australian in <laughs> And I don't know, I don't know if like American, only Americans can be Secret Service agents or whatever, but like, I don't understand why she couldn't just be Australian in this movie, especially if the movie is going so far out of its way to talk about how this is like an international affair. There's Uta, who is the lady on the ship, um, whose name just reminds me of Uta Matamakan from Pocahontas 2, Journey to a New World, but that's just me. Um... (laughs) only person who remembers anything about that movie um the uh yeah so we we were introduced to jim sturgis's girlfriend who is a secret service agent who isn't supposed to be in relationship with him but uh he is and i have to ask micah did you ship it Mm -mm. 
Yeah, I, I, and which leads to another conversation about I don't understand how your ships work because you can see two people look at each other for two seconds as you did in Resident Evil Apocalypse and ship them <laughs> before one of them dies seconds later. Mm-hmm. There was no spark. You need a spark and it only takes two <laughs> seconds. But they didn't have it. They were so dull. And maybe it's Jim Sturgis's fault. He just didn't have Nikolai's chemistry. Um, I think that's Nikolai's chemistry. I, I, I think we can blame literally everybody involved for the lack of chemistry here. Like this yeah, is no one had chemistry I mean, with anyone else in this. I ship mm-mm. no one here. No. no one gets any ships here. <laughs> they blew up the only spaceship. That's the only ship they get. The, yeah, just, because they were also trying to give us some like. I felt like they were trying to force upon us some sexual or romantic energy between Gerard Butler and Uta. And I mm. hated it. Mostly because he spent most of the movie mansplaining a ship that, yeah, okay, you built it. But she does fucking live there. And she is also a fucking scientist. You don't need to like act like you're the only person who's ever known a thing about this ship. Especially when you keep trying to open the wrong damn doors. <laughs> So I, I, and, I really, yeah. I kept waiting for that to become a runner and just where one of the times he just literally opens up an airlock and sucks them both out into space. Oh my God, that would have been Sh- hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but he's back up on Dutch Boy because someone has been uh, targeting cities with Dutch Boy with extreme weather much mm-hmm. like a weather dominator. Mm-hmm. And there was a freak ice storm in Afghanistan in which uh, someone went up to an Afghan person who was frozen where mm-hmm. he stood, much like what happened on G.I. Joe. And then his hand was just snapped off. What are the logistics of that? I know that that doesn't pertain to the plot of the movie, but like if you freeze some, I've never encountered a person who has been frozen in that way. But if you do freeze somebody in that way, will their limbs just break off? Is that how human biology works? I want to point out to you that that jumped out at me too, because that was... um, that was a uh, that was a gag shaped gag. Like like I understand mm-hmm. what they were going for, but then by hook or by crook, either poor craftsmanship or uh, a need to keep this sanitized for a family audience or whatever. Like you're the only person I've ever heard say by hook or by crook besides Nina Simone and my grandmama. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm in exceptional company, by the way. I'm gonna keep on saying <laughs> it just because of that. Uh, but like the execution of that gag where the idea is this guy is frozen so solid that, you know, just tap him and he flies, flies apart like a T-1000. But the, the, the prop hand was like rigged so badly that like he just taps it and it just flumps right off as if to suggest like at the moment the desert froze the guy was like, oh shit, guys, my hand just fell off my wrist. And then, like, the the ice <laughs> froze it in place until this soldier comes along. Because, like, yeah. human body or no, have you ever tried to, like, break apart something that's frozen? Sometimes you can't even get the ice cream out of the box because it's too frozen solid. Right. So yeah. I imagine a freeze-dried human body would be fairly solid and difficult to break apart 
Yeah, it's one of those things that always appears in movies. Like, have you ever seen Jason X? There's the the mm. thing where like Jason takes the the poor lady and dips her face in liquid nitrogen and it freezes and he breaks her face mm-hmm. on like a mm-hmm. counter or something like that. And I'm just like, well, that sure is disgusting and kind of spooky. But I'm not. <laughs> but even as a kid, I was like, I'm not sure that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, no. If you take like a frozen food item. And you bang it on the counter, it's more likely to dent your counter. You break your counter. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. But, uh, mm, what you gonna the, do? I thought the aesthetics of it were... I mean, listen, a lot of the political aesthetics of this movie are questionable at best. But I just thought it was like, especially that gag was so ghoulish and... Mm-hmm. We've well, just we've we've killed a lot of people in the Middle East, you know, like we've killed and there's a and lot of of images of disasters happening in not countries with white people in them. Uh in fact, is, in fact most of the disasters come at the expense of um of non white non non predominant white countries. Weird that. Cuz you've got right? Afghanistan yeah. Hong Kong, mm-hmm. uh, Brazil, yeah, those are your big ones that we like. See, Mumbai was one. Yeah, I just that was an aesthetic that I don't. I think I was too swept up in the stupidity of it all the first time for that aesthetic to really stick out at me. It didn't wanted- help that I was watching this while I scrolled Twitter with the news of the missile attacks in Iran. That didn't help either. But um, yeah, I do want to. I'm sorry. I know we're going out of order a little bit by doing this, but I do want to talk about the weather attack on Rio, where uh, an Arctic ice wave like of of cold air sweeps off the ocean uh, and decimates everything in its path, except for one bikini lady who yeah. um, can outrun an Arctic front in flip flops. You can't even outrun an ice cream truck in flip flops, but. <laughs> But yeah. she's mm-hmm. fine. But the thing is, we're meant to... She's like our POV character for that sequence, so we're supposed to be instantly invested in her survival. This character yeah. whom we've not met before, while we're watching other people whom we're also just meeting for the first time, get decimated by this invisible ice wave. and then- Including her boyfriend, who was our point of view first and when the, uh, when the storm was first right. starting. Right, exactly. So, so I guess it just matters that she survived to carry on his pov legacy but then like all this stuff like buildings start collapsing because they're getting frozen a plane falls out of the sky and she manages not to have it land on her and it's like great for her that's thousands of people who just died that's the thing the the death toll in this movie is in Sane. There's like in the way that it tries to justify it by giving you a POV person. They even do it later when there is like a, a giant wave or something trying to hit Dubai. And yeah. it is knocking over buildings. It is drowning people everywhere. But you see these like uh, businessmen in uh, high yeah. rise. Which and I you're just. I think is supposed to be the Burge. <coughs> and Excuse me. I, I was like, bless you. And I was just like. I was watching that, and I'm just like, okay, first of all, you've just knocked the tallest building on Earth to, like, a 45-degree angle, and then implied that they've survived that. 
nobody is surviving that. Like, that building is going to fall the rest of the way down to the ground. Like, just because the wave stopped, it's not like, thank God, this building was designed to survive at, you know, where we can look out our windows straight down at the earth. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) The death toll in this is, and 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 at the end, so we are. I guess, yeah, we can just skip around. Whatever, this movie's dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, <laughs> you see, they're like, I feel like it's like kind of celebratory at one point because you're seeing Jake and Uta fix the things. Um, mm. But those shots are intertwined with the mm-hmm. shots of the massive magnitude death that is happening at the same Mm -hmm, time. So you're supposed to feel good and relief at the same moment that you see shots of tons and tons of people in predominantly non-white countries dying. Mm -hmm. And that aesthetic just really stuck out to me like a sore thumb. It really made me uncomfortable this time around. Like, this isn't this isn't good. This isn't celebratory. This yeah. there's there's a tornado tearing apart the most one of the most densely populated countries on earth. So I, there were three tornadoes tearing it apart. Three, yes. And so this movie is here's full the, of things from my nightmares. Here's the thing. Um you can't talk about the fact that all of that happened without talking about the general thrust of the plot being that the Secretary of State hacked Mm -hmm. the weather dominator (laughs) to basically destroy every other major country superpower or or either superpower or country capable of becoming a superpower uh, to sort of remake the world in whatever, um, whatever image he thought it should be, which is just like, I saw 21 bridges the other day. Mm-hmm. And J.K. spoilers for Twenty One Bridges. J.K. Simmons comes on screen, and you're just like, "Oh, he's the bad guy," yeah. even though like them, you're 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 an, you're an hour and a half ahead of the movie. And the same thing with uh, with people like Ed Harris. And I yeah. have to say, is is are we going to get to a point that like we're going to get older? There will be a new crop of uh, people our age, and like Adam Driver is going to be. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Like, the Secretary of State in Michael Bay's mm-hmm. uh, latest opus. It's it's one of those things where it's just like... Absolutely, you grow it. Well, because once upon a time... I, I was just watching today, I was watching The Abyss, in which Ed mm-hmm. Harris basically plays the Gerard Butler part in this. Mm-hmm. The Abyss is a vastly better movie and does everything mm-hmm. right yes, that this it is. movie does wrong. But the point is... You know, it's you, you. You either die the hero of the abyss or live long enough to become the secretary of state of Geostorm. I think it's absolutely <laughs> Gerard Butler is going to be that guy. He's going to start showing up in stuff like once they can't ring another dime out of him as a leading man, which I think we've already arrived there. Uh, once they can't make that happen anymore, uh, he will transition to being avuncular heavies like ed harris and it's going to be mm-hmm. a bummer because there should just be less gerard butler overall uh but yeah it's absolutely <laughs> going to happen yeah. and i the, the one thing i will give them credit for in their in their casting dead giveaway of the bad guy they at least made it a 50 50 shot with ed harris and andy garcia 
because really either either of those guys could have wound up being the haha i was a bad guy all along yeah and like yeah it's it, it's just crazy to think that like all the people who were just like are because uh, i was talking to someone about this the other day there was a video where like teens were reacting to people's sexiest person alive from like the 90s and there was mm-hmm. shit like nick nolte mm-hmm. and and stuff and all of the people the teens were just like what um <laughs> in fairness i was a teen in the 90s and was bewildered by that at the time y'all didn't invent <laughs> oh yeah I think Blake. I think Blake Shelton's place placement as the sexiest man alive on People is our version of that. It's, it's, um, he's the new Nick yeah. Nolte. Yeah, he's <laughs> Blake Shelton, the new Nick Nolte. Um, <laughs> Ooh, but rough. yeah, there's it's it's one of those things where it's just like that's that's kind of sad to think about <laughs> because like take Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia used to be the hottest shit. Like. Mm-hmm. And uh, now he's, I mean, he's still, uh, hot. still hot, but old, <laughs> but, but yes. old and the president in Geostorm. But when and, and the love and, interest in Book Club, and when Gerard Butler grows into Secretary of State in future Geostorm, pre- tw- circa twenty twenty, uh, our this generation's Andy Garcia, which is Oscar Isaac, will be the president, and you're not going to know which one it is. I'm very excited about President movie President Oscar Isaac. You know, know it's going to happen. That's I'm excited I, I, about I, Oscar Isaac, whatever the colon. I mean, is. full stop. Yeah, yeah. But he's yeah, gonna. Yeah, yeah. He's but he's also got that. He's also got. I mean, we've seen it in him already. He is going to be one of these guys who he's going to show up in a movie like this, and you think he's going to be the the friendly boss type. I think um, Sterling K. Brown has a future as this. As oh, the yeah. mm. I'm your cool boss, but psych, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, it, yes. So jumping back to the point from a few minutes ago, we are absolutely going to get a fresh crop of these guys in a couple of years. I have Oof, such affection boy. for Ed Harris. One, he's just, uh, years he's from Ed now, Harris. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to think to myself, oh, Gerard Butler, you're too good to be here. I'm never going to think. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> But I did think that about a few people in this, um, and Ed Harris was one of them. Also, Ed Harris looks a lot like my late grandfather, so there's that too. But also, he's just ridiculously talented. Like, I'm I'm not going to mm-hmm. think, oh, Gerard Butler, why are you here most of the time? Oh, no. When I, when I, was, when I was watching The Abyss today, I was like, oh, both him and Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio got robbed on nominations. I will not watch 300 and be like, what were we thinking about Gerard Butler? Come on. <laughs> Gerard Butler, please come on the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Listen, we'll save you like, a spot with Ethan Embry. <laughs> it's not like Ethan Embry. I've said nice things about Gerard Butler. He is absolutely charming in Time Facts. He is decidedly <laughs> less charming here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, what, what is what is time facts? Oh, timeline. It sounds. Ah, yeah, I got it's a, it. Okay. It's, it's yes. Old okay. Dick Donner movie mm-hmm. called Timeline, and uh, he is the good part of it. Yeah, I <laughs> and, just couldn't. I let couldn't, him be um, Scottish. I couldn't pinpoint the, the movie step. by your distillation. Yeah, it's because they uh, they make a time machine, but the way they keep explaining it is 
as if they are faxing people back to the Middle Ages. Except they explain faxing incorrectly as well in the movie. Like they're like, so it's just the time. It does this, and I'm like, yeah, but that's not what faxing does either. But yeah, Gerard Butler is here, and he's being gruff, and he's doing that thing where he doesn't talk out of the side of his mouth. He like talks between the side and the middle of his mouth. And um, he and Jim Sturgis they have a code. From when they were oh, kids, the code. that oh, the code. was, which is just like who who cares? I mean, I get the the espionage part of it, but um, I just really want to talk about the actual good part of the movie, which um, is the only good part of the movie, which is Zazie Beats, because Zazie Beats is great. Yeah, she is a lot of fun. I would also submit that Daniel Wu is a good part of this movie. Not that he's particularly good in this but like we established no one is i just like to see his hands daniel yeah daniel Wu is giving this movie a lot more than it needs um and and not not to say that it's a bad thing it's just that he is performing uh at a level uh and and with a quality that isn't really matched by anyone else in the cast or anything that's going on in the film um and we (laughs) but he gets like he gets ran over by a car um because he's being tracked down by a tall um visibly european man with a scar and movies really like those um it's just um like didn't it like in, in like a bunch of old movies didn't people used to just like like, call in the Russian (laughs) and then like a giant person would come to the door of the protagonist and toss him around. Um, But that's what this guy is. Only he doesn't really talk um, until he has to scream. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah. Um, So there's like a race against the clock to like get the kill codes for Dutch boy from the president. And it turns out the president is the kill codes because of biometrics we're in the future speaking of being in the future i like the concept of the hollow frames i did it took me a while to realize that those were just people's cell phones they are they are they are cell phones with the added impractical impracticality of hawkeye's collapsible bow that you have to do the little, <laughs> the little wristy flip to, to to get it to pop out like I said, I liked the idea. <laughs> <laughs> because it's supposed to take place in the future, and the like first thing I always look for in a film to like date it is mm-hmm. the cell phones. The if phones. it's taking place yeah. after, you know, cell phones are universal. Like that's always like like going back and watching old episodes of Gossip Girl and they're all fancy and rich with their little but they've all got like little flip phones cuz like it's razors. 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's and it's also razors were hot like, shit in 2007. <laughs> these these reminded me the the hollow frames reminded me um of uh how in the first uh Matrix the cell phone that they slipped to to Keanu is like it was the hottest, like top of the line. No one could afford this cell phone, and it was all. It's the Nokia where the like the little like kachunk the the um, mm-hmm. mouthpiece kachunks out of the body. That was the coolest thing in the world. And oh. then they 
invented their own custom cell phone for the second for the second movie and marketed it and it was the dumbest ugliest fucking thing ever the hollow frame <laughs> to me is somewhere like pinpoint right between those two it's the google uh. glass of cell phones <laughs> yep <laughs> oh boy yeah speaking of stuff is it's so funny in the in the in the first scream movie that like there's mm-hmm. an entire plot set around Maybe he's the killer because mm. he has a cell phone. He has a mobile phone. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. What are you doing with the cellular telephone, Mr. Loomis? Um, <laughs> Scream, the movie of one of my favorite OTPs of all time. I will okay. never stop. No, let me. Let, okay, we're so far. We don't care about Geostorm, y'all. But we. I have to tell you this, Alex. Mm-hmm. Micah. Being the weirdest person in the world. Excuse me, mm-hmm. you watch commercial breaks on YouTube. That's okay. fine. Right. That's still not as weird as this. <laughs> she watches Scream and she ships Dewey and Sydney. I will not apologize. Mm, okay. I mean, that's so odd. You're you're like the only person I've ever known to do that. And it, it, and it's partially because she really doesn't like Gail. She hates Gail. I, was, I get and, really excited and, every and time. And Gail, I think that Gail, Gail is, is in danger. Die. Gail is in immediate danger of dying in every Scream movie except for the third one. And every single time, Mike is like, yeah, get her. <laughs> 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 he was like the best friend's older brother he cares deeply about her well-being i ship it and it's my and it's one of my favorite otps of all time there are no otps to talk about in geostorm though because everyone's charismaless sexless yeah uh, yeah, yeah absolutely so... So genuinely, generally what happens is we figure out that Ed Harris, the secretary of state, is trying to kill everybody with the damn uh, weather dominator. And he's hired scary European man and um, Robert Sheehan on Dutch Boy itself to sabotage things and make sure people are dying by lightning and hail. I forgot that they... I When the first Hong Kong sequence happened when the pipes were getting really hot and bursting through the streets and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and making the streets sort of implode upon themselves (laughs) as Daniel Wu was driving away. Um, I was like, oh, I thought that he was going to get hit with a bunch of hail because there's a scene in Day After Tomorrow where people are in like an Asian country are getting hit with a bunch of hail with a bunch of like really large hail. But this movie had to one up it by like sending hail the size of like Looney Tunes cartoon snowballs from the sky down, Mm -hmm. (laughs) down Mm -hmm. into like uh, Moscow or wherever. Uh And it was, it was just like the dumbest thing in the world. And the I want to talk a little bit about the way that the weather is portrayed and like how it interferes with some of the tension in the movie because uh, they have to get the president away from Ed Harris so he can give them the codes for Dutch Boy and stuff like that. So they're driving in this lightning storm. Mm-hmm. And it ru- the thing that got ruined for me is like, why does the European guy care so much? 
they are all in real deal mortal danger mm. that it does not genuinely matter if he catches Abby Cornish, huh. Jim Sturgis, um, uh, right? Just sit back and, and, let and the all of their accents this. in that car. Mm-hmm. And I w- it was just really, really annoying. That's when the movie started to sort of lose the plot for me because I was just like, okay, so none of this really matters because even though they save the day at the end, speaking to Micah's sort of political science reading of the movie, even if they save the day at the end, the story at the end of the day is the American Secretary of State tried to destroy the world. And like mm-hmm. halfway mm-hmm. succeeded. <laughs> like... He yeah, killed and everything's supposed to just be cool. Well, and and I I, I am not a climate scientist, and I'm going to say that right now. That's not why you had me on the show. I'm assuming if it is a huge mistake on your part. Um, <laughs> but say, Alex, a, a, a you couple need to of go. things. A couple of things about Dutch Boy in general, and Ed Harris's plans for it in particular. Now. Mm-hmm. When we see in the prologue, jumping back, when we see in the prologue Dutch Boy working successfully, there the movie's idea of success is turning every extreme weather event into 70 degrees and sunny. I don't yeah. know anything about weather, and even I know sometimes it is supposed to rain. It's not supposed to be a nice day all the time. That's actually very bad for the earth. Uh, Mm -hmm. A second thing I'd like to bring up is, of course, the instant, like the dumbest argument made by climate change deniers is, well, if global warming is real, how come I'm cold right now? And the answer is, of course, because climate isn't weather. So why do you make a climate change cure that fights weather? I I don't know if the two connect. I think it's because weather is easier to understand cinematically than climate. but. Uh, mm-hmm. That doesn't work. But also, your secretary, your crooked Secretary of State Ed Harris, and you have access to the Weather Dominator in space. Great for you. You can use a lightning storm to chase the president through Miami. But bully for you. <laughs> but that. But but its key function is to drop drones and laser beams on the Earth. So why do you bother with like? Weather people are going to know it's malfunctioning if the weather's getting fucked up. So why not just? Oh, I just accidentally triggered like a drone that's going to fall onto onto Daniel Liu's geostorm, and oh, it, it this projectile fell from space and killed him. Like enough. You don't actually need to like do all the rest of it. Like, Have a could, physical person come out and just like push him in the middle of the street to get hit by a car. Well, that which too, was the I most mean, conspicuous thing. <laughs> like I uh yeah, it's it's I mean uh, all of it. I, 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 I guess what I'm saying, and I suppose this is why you had me on the show, I have problems with the movie Geostorm. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think we all do, but generally uh, they get, uh, they trigger a self-destruct on Dutch Boy, to which I ask the screen out loud to no one in particular, why is there a self-destruct? And then someone in the movie asked, why is there a self-destruct? <laughs> and they were just like, in case it falls to Earth. And I'm just like, I don't know if you understand how gravity works. <laughs> how exactly? Um, Does that help? 
And why would it fall to Earth? Under what circumstances would cause it to enter Earth's field of gravity? Um, I'm questioning the junk science and I need to stop. Yeah. There's, so, yeah. 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 There's no reason to. There's also no reason above and beyond all the reasons the characters list for their for their no need to be a self-destruct but even for the purposes of the movie it's not like by the end of the movie they realize we've you know meddled in god's domain with this we're gonna have to come up with some better solutions for our climate issues we're gonna have to work together to do that they're just like nope let's build another dutch boy that was that was working great until that yeah catastrophically wasn't and it's just like that then there's no point in blowing it up except to have something blow up in your movie. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have, again, um, Gerard Butler, comma, action scientist, mm-hmm. who's giving this, like, in, like impassioned speech to his brother about, like, oh, how it's super I did the movie. science. It worked so well, and it mm-hmm. worked so well forever mm-hmm. until they turned it into a gun, mm-hmm. uh, says the action scientist. And I'm just like, okay, this is this is a lot. So they they end up uh, getting the codes and shutting down Dutch Boy. They but the self destruct doesn't have. Uh, a way of being stopped so there's another sort of like gravity colon uh, the stage experience (laughs) uh, (laughs) version of that kind of thing that happens and they're just like him and Uta who stayed behind for no reason at all for literally no reason and they get to that's why she stayed Mm mm-hmm and she yeah. was just hiding out. She was literally just hide it, like waiting for him to like come to this one area of the ship. It was so oh, annoying. But, now I'm but her they just have like this whole harrowing thing behind cabinets, just waiting for him to go up to the wrong door. Just, oh uh, man! But also, I was just like, like, what is this but for? If she's already in the right place to open the right door to solve the problem. Why, why wasn't the just door just open? Fix, why not just fix the problem? Yeah. Like, why not then cut to Gerard Butler just, like, running down an exploding hallway and suddenly everything stops exploding because somebody else has solved the damn problem for him. Yeah. And then he opens yeah. the wrong door and is sucked out into space. <laughs> oh, man. Um, would have probably been a better uh, idea than him getting back to Earth and just creating a whole nother Dutch boy. And speaking of, they get back to Earth... Uh, and he meets up with his brother again. They're all hugging, and he's like, this is my fiancé and stuff like that. And then I think... I think the reason that a lot of Americans have trouble with uh, intimacy being shown between men uh, registering as gay is because in a lot of stuff that we consume that intimacy just isn't there even in a lot of the media we consume even if it exists in real life where like people have touch as a love language and stuff like that it just registers Mm -hmm. as queer because really that's for a long time that was the queerest that anything got in movies and tv and the media that we consume Mm -hmm. and so you have these two guys who 
don't have a ton of chemistry. They just happen to have more chemistry than everybody else in the movie. <laughs> and they're like run up to each other and their faces are so close apart. And one of them grabs the other by his neck and like pulls them in for mm-hmm. what extremely looks like a kiss. And I'm ew, I was like, I literally like turned over in my bed and I was like no it can't happen it's not going to happen obviously it's not going to happen but I was so freaked out by it I was so freaked out by it and I shouldn't have been because obviously these are two brothers just hugging but also the way that like those performances were calibrated and the way it was shot was really unsettling and I wanted everything to be over (laughs) but then it was so that's fine and that was Geostorm. And now we're free of it. I'm going to be making up my freezies <laughs> as we go along. Oh, of course. An American. Actually, my brother and I were born in the UK, but thank you. Yeah, but you've got the old stars and stripes on your arm there and cowboy look in your eye. Like, no offense, this is just a serious situation. And the last thing we need is some Washington stooge to come and supervise us, do we, lads? Well, you got one. And you are? This is Mr. Jake Lawson. You're Jake Lawson? The Jake Lawson? You look much older than I would have thought. I, I mean, you, you look good, but your, your physical appearance is not, does not match the, the amount of time that has elapsed in your life. Am I getting fired? So we're back. And this is the point in the show where we give away freezy awards to the film that we watched. They can be good things. They can be things we forgot to shit on in the recap. They can be jokes, whatever. Alex, you're you're you you've been here the most times. You know the drill. <laughs> I do. I sorta of do. Um so I, I, I think one of my favorite things that we did not mention is in the Jurassic World scene with mm. um with uh, the two brothers at the beginning, uh, you know, Gerard Butler is all like, I don't deal with space anymore. I've turned my back on all of that. And Jim Sturgis is like, oh, is that why you moved here? And that's when we realize his trailer is in Cape Canaveral. And we realize that because a rocket is taking off right <laughs> behind him. Yeah. And it's staged, but it's staged like Gerard Butler just stole a plate of cookies off the kitchen island and is hiding it behind his back and Jim Sturgis is like did you take the cookies and Gerard Butler's like no and then the plate drops and shatters and the cookies go everywhere like it's like it like if his next line had been like had been like well that's not a rocket like it would have it would have absolutely redeemed the whole entire movie for me he just plucked it out of the sky and stuck it in his mouth and just like we're rocket I, I would accept. I, well, because with all of these movies, like, like I think it, my main disappointment with this movie is that it was so middling. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't as outlandish as it could have been because it had to be safe for all audiences. It wasn't as terrible as it could have been because it wasn't as outlandish as it could have been. Uh, mm. It's you know, if this movie had had gone for it, I would have at least the going for itness. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and is is that the only one you could muster? That's up? all I got. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. what I got. <laughs> Micah, do you have freezies for I, Geostorm? I do. Um, I'm giving it the freezy 
for the most um, epically stupid movie we've done. It's just the, like, most mind-numbing. You know? Like, you watch it and you're just like, that's really dumb. I was gonna say, more than Bad Boys 2, but you weren't, your mind wasn't really numbed by Bad Boys 2. You were just like... You were just like super. I think I ruined Will Smith for Micah. (laughs) Might have. Might have done. Um, Uh, Yeah. So it's just it's the one that I think the most where I'm like wow like like I didn't ever get to go see the Meg and I'm really disappointed about it. But this has the Meg energy. Uh, This has Sharknado energy, but it's not fun like Mm -hmm. those. I assume are. Mm Um, mm-hmm. but my second freezy goes to Ed Harris. I'm always happy to see him. This obviously is not Westworld, but you know, he was here and it was nice to see him. He looks like my grandpa. And he probably got grandkids to put through college. He, he going to get it. And my last mm-hmm. freezy is for my legitimately favorite thing that happened. It's kind of similar to your rocket cookies. Mm-hmm. It's and it is when they're in the lightning storm and they're having a car chase because that's Mm -hmm. what this movie needed it was lacking a car chase uh Mm -hmm. and they're and they're driving in that little away from lightning and europeans (laughs) in a little orange taxi and abby cornish sees that they're getting shot at and she's just whips the car around into reverse and just stone face starts shooting out the window and mm-hmm, then kills mm-hmm. the driver of the other car and then just whips every shot and then connects. just whips the car back around forward and keeps going that was kind of fun so i'll give it a freezy <laughs> to that well oh and i do want to hop on to that is that she does all that and then they've been doing a whole she and Jim Sturgis have been doing a whole commitment dance through this movie because of their secrecy and everything. So she does all that. And then Andy Garcia turns to turns to Jim Sturgis like marry her. And it's like that's a funny shaped line on the page. It's not it, that joke is never going to be funny because we've seen it a thousand times yeah. before. But mm-hmm. even if it was like if that was the perfectly like timed and directed zinger you've got andy garcia delivering it and he's just i i love andy garcia but not for laughs yeah Mm -hmm. so it's like i i imagine (laughs) that when they were shooting it there or when they were in the edit bay they were like we're gonna have to leave some empty space after this because the audience is gonna be in stitches (laughs) they are gonna like they and, and it just and he just turns, he goes, marry her. And that's, and then it's just like, okay. Yeah, when right, what actually yeah. had me in I mean, I guess suddenly Ed Harris is there with a fucking rocket launcher because what? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is rattling around unsecured in his trunk. Not even in like a little foam indentation. Just like, just sitting there like his golf clubs or something. <laughs> I love it. So I love it. Mine. CJ, what do you got? So my first preezy goes to the uh, the what did we establish? It was the oh I don't speak Spanish. I'm from Ohio. Dumbest line in a movie oh. award. 
And that goes to uh, Andy Garcia. Uh, and because I'm president of the goddamn United States. What does that mean in the post-Geostorm world? I Like, it, you're still held responsible for the fact that an agent of your country, again, literally decided to destroy the world. It's the Secretary a, of State it, that you would have handpicked, presumably. This isn't a good look. It's not. It's not at all. And he sort of just like gets off like, I guess he was one of the heroes the whole time. But that's not what your life looks like that after that, Mr. President. So that is my first freezy. My second freezy goes to um, a just a just a barely scraping by hunch from Rockadoodle Best Supporting mm-hmm. Actor Award mm-hmm. for Zazie Beats. She, she was, was fun every time she was on screen. I don't think she knows how to be bad in something. Yeah, she she was just uh, she was the best part of the movie, and the third and final freezy of CJ's goes to Gerard Butler, mm-hmm. our newest inductee into the Below Freezing Hall of Fame because he has been in three movies. He joins such prestigious company as Ethan Embry. Speaking of which, sir, Mm -hmm. you said to us, to our faces on Blue Ivy's internet, that we were going to like Empire Records. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) You said it. We have it. On uh, podcast audio MP3, we have it. You said it, and didn't go over that movie is insane. (laughs) I spent most of Uh, it sitting on Ethan Embry, to be fair. Okay, well, see now, (laughs) gather around, kids. I'm gonna tell you about the (laughs) night. Uh, it's probably not a good movie, it probably has not aged well, but it's like. You guys ever run into someone you went to high school with and you weren't like you weren't super good friends with them, maybe not even friends at all, but you for sure knew who they were. And now you've just Mm -hmm. run into them at the grocery store and it's like, oh, hey, like you're actually like even if there was bad blood, however long ago high school was or just neutral blood. It's like now it's like I recognize you. You're 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 we come from the same place. That is probably the affinity I have for Empire Records. (laughs) Because we've we've traveled a long way together, I I won't in an open forum stand up for it in front of two in front of two people who a have not enjoyed it and b watched it a lot more recently than me. Uh, so uh, I apologize. I thought you were in for a treat. I will remind you that uh, y'all didn't even know about the existence of Radioland Murders before I came mm. along. So uh, I I am at least back to zero. I'm definitely not in the red. <laughs> We likened it to Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, a film from my high school years that's generally uh, kind of the same vibe. And I watched it recently, and it is also pretty awful. (laughs) I can see that. that. Yeah, yeah. So we all have them. So... Those are those are are your freezies. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a bone to pick. And a bone to pick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we have a new inductee into the Hall of Fame. That's fun. Uh, Fantastic. Fantastic. So uh, I think we all agree, right? (laughs) 
Oh yeah, this movie's freeze burn as fuck. But I will say. Oh, was that the was that the impression I was giving? That was not the spirit in which any of my <laughs> remarks were intended. I will say though. Yeah, no, because I don't know yeah. why we had so much fun watching. It makes me scared to watch the second Maleficent again because we had a lot of fun watching <laughs> Geostorm in theaters. Like we had a ton of fun watching Maleficent: Mistress of Evil, and now I'm afraid to no, watch that movie think... again because I did not have fun watching Geostorm. This well, time. because this one, some things you gotta leave. You gotta leave them in the box. Yeah, just leave them in the box. Yeah. If it was a special occasion, if it was a special moment. They don't, they don't, it's, 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 it's like getting waffles at a diner. They are not going to survive the trip home. <laughs> Perfect analogy. <laughs> Thank you. <sighs> so that was, Ge- that was Geostorm. Oh, yeah. That was the podcast that started all. That a movie was Geostorm. so bad, we had to start a podcast where we talk about other bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're proud yeah. of yourself, Dean Devlin. <laughs> So thank you so much for letting us do that to you, Alex. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me back. I, I love coming on the show. I love you guys. I uh yeah, I, I like it when a movie's bad. It, well this this fulfilled that expectation, I think. <laughs> uh, where can uh the good people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm on Twitter a lot more than I should be for my mental health. Uh you are welcome to pop in on uh, at Menace 2 Snacks, Menace the number two snacks. And uh, my latest, uh, if I say so myself, masterpiece, or at least uh, took a lot of effort, was uh, a week and a half ago when I spent two hours watching Cats and 11 Mm -hmm. hours tweeting about it. Um, And uh, expect more content. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, expect, uh, I guess, expect more content like that uh, when you follow me there. You can also get me um, at steelapesessions.com, uh, monthly mixtapes guaranteed. Uh, spot of, new Spotify mixtapes coming out once a month. I've been doing that for um, just past the five-year anniversary of that. Yeah. Very nice. excited to have um, stuck with something no one is asking for uh, for that long. Uh, though I suppose that's the internet for you. So steelapesessions.com. I hope you come by and listen to some stuff. Awesome. Those will be Sweet. listed in the show notes down below. CJ, where can people you find you on the internet? You can find me at CJ period. That's C-E-E-J-A-Y and the word period. I'm assuming you know how to spell it on Twitter and Instagram. Please, <laughs> nowhere else. Um, and uh, you can... Uh, find me every week on this show but you can find me periodically on another show called dan and cj's group chat colon the podcast it's where me and my buddy dan prezel uh talk about things that are going on in the culture um because uh that that is truly what the world mm-hmm. needed and uh this week we did put out a new ep well not this week last week we did put out a new episode uh where we recapped our favorite things and people of uh 2019 the decade that was 2019 mm-hmm. and uh it also features a 20 minute cold open about cats <laughs> so <laughs> So if you're interested in that, uh, totally check that out. Very cool. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at B and on Instagram at LowKeyStrokeTheLemur. You can find the show at Below32Pod everywhere. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
If you would like to drop us a review, we always appreciate it. Um, Five-star reviews help people find the show better. And if you don't think it's five stars, we would love to hear why. CJ, what are we putting ourselves through next week? Well, a good buddy of mine, Carlos Luna, uh, if you might know him from Rivals of Waterdeep, if you follow Watsy and Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that, he's going to come on and we're going to watch a little movie called Seventh Son. Uh, it is a fantasy epic starring Julianne Moore and uh, Micah, you're sitting down. Mm-hmm. Good. Ben Barnes. Oh. <gasps> oh okay well i'm excited micah's love of ben barnes confuses Mm. me but i'm also very excited that she gets to have this it's a love that's going on like a decade and a half this is thrilling because she's also in love with the hot ben barnes which is sebastian stan they're both hot Mm. excuse you that's fair (laughs) <laughs> don't let him lie to you internet they're both but hot. you tra- you trade up you have like you you have ben barnes who again i don't get it sebastian sand i do get it even though it's very well documented that he kind of creeps me out um but that's neither here nor there <laughs> so that's happening next week well i hope you guys are as excited as i am because that's that's gonna be great you'll get to hear micah be thirsty on the pod again so Uh, Tune in for that (laughs) next week. And until then, y'all stay frosty. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)